So let's get into our message today. But first, since none of you, a lot of, not all of you, words are hard. Not all of you know me. I figured I would tell a little bit about you or about me. Words are hard. Anyways, so like I said before, I worked for the Assemblies of God National Headquarters. I also worked for the Teen Challenge Headquarters. Um, you can put the About Me side on. Um, that is my parents to your left. They are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful missionaries on the Cape. Um, they work with international students. My dad, if you could keep him in prayers, is going through more so than any other person can imagine. And he's still reaching out to international students every single day. They're still filling backpacks that have a reflective vest, biker vest, uh, a New Testament Bible, a water Bible, a water bottle, and other things as well. They've handed out 1,500 backpacks to international students this summer. And they continue to do it. <laughs> and they continue to do it all throughout the summer, even with some health struggles. Uh, in that middle picture there, that landscape is Evangel University. That is where I went to school. Um, I, love my, I love my school. It was amazing. It was just in Missouri. <sighs> and they call it misery for a reason. No, I'm joking. But when I first got there, I was like, yeah, I'm from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Like, you know, I grew up on the beach. And somebody was like, oh, well, we have a beach here. Missouri, landlocked. Just think about that for a second. And so I went, oh, you have a beach? And they're like, yeah, it's called Moonshine. It's a lake. Um, it's a man-made lake that used to be a water quarry that has no sand but only rocks. And they call that a beach. So it's a whole different world out there. Um, I loved every second of it, though, but it is definitely a whole different world. Uh, that middle picture, I am a die-hard Red Sox, Boston sports fan. Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, Bruins, Revolution, Boston Cannons, that's lacrosse, but nobody cares about that, but I do. So I am a die-hard every single Boston sports, and I'm a stats guy. Well, let, let me say this. I hate math. Like, hate math. Like, how I was homeschooled and how I passed math was my dad was really good at math, and he would be like, hey, do this, 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 and this, and I'd be like... I don't get it. Can you do it again? And that's how I passed math. So I'm not good at math, but I am a stats guy. I love like the random stats. I love the, like, the weird ones that normally nobody thinks of, but I hate math. But I'm a diehard sports fan. And then the far, far right one is I am also a rock climber. Um, this rock climb, this is in Arkansas. It's about 40 feet high in the air where I am right there. Um, there is a rope, so don't worry. I'm not that crazy. Um, but if any of you are a rock climber, that's a 510. If nobody knows rock climbing, then you have no idea what I just said, and that's okay. Um, but it's, it is my, it's my outlet. I love to climb. Um, it's me against the wall. It's a puzzle piece every single time. And sometimes I hate it, and sometimes I love it, but that's kind of how hobbies are. <laughs> so the title of my message today is The Pillar of Fire. And I... I would be dumb not to be somber enough to the spirit that's already here, in the fire that's already here. But the Lord brought this upon my heart a couple weeks ago, and I talked to Pastor Brian with it, and now it's even more relevant because of what happened today. Amen. But church, we're going to read today. Is that okay? There's, there's a lot to read, and we're going to read. So is that okay with all of you? Amen. All right. So let's start off our text is in Exodus 13, 20 through 22. Now, it will be on the screen. Usually in youth, I have the students read on the screen. I am not going to have any of you do that, so don't worry. But let's read together. I am also in the NLT. It's just the version that I like. 
we can talk about Bible versions later if you have a problem with it. But here we go. Verse thir- chapter 13, verse 20 in Exodus. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Verse 21. And the Lord went ahead of them. You'll come to find out, I'm going to pause when I read the scripture. Because there's sometimes that stuff sticks out of the scripture that you just need to pause and think about. The Lord went ahead of them. So the Israelites, here's a little bit of backstory, okay, because I'm that person as well. They just left Egypt. They are going out. They're on their own. Moses has finally allowed these people to come with them. They're going out. And you'll see later that Etham is the edge of the wilderness. So like inhabited land, non-inhabited land kind of civilization, desert. So they're on the edge. They're about to go into the wilderness, and the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar or the cloud of, the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. How many of you, and I'm not asking age, don't worry, because I'm at that point too, remember the old, like, fold-up maps that took the entire length of the car? Okay, so I'm, I'm at that age, I'm 29, I'm at that age where I remember this, but I also grew up with GPS and technology. And my grandmother hated GPS. She was a stubborn Italian woman that just hated GPS, hated technology. And I remember being like 10 years old and we'd go driving and she'd be, she'd be like, all right, I don't know where I'm going, pull up the map. I am 10 years old. So here, open the entire back seat and she goes, where do I turn? And I go, I don't know. And she's like, well, read the map. And I was like, what do you mean read the map? So eventually I got to figure it out. Eventually I got to figure out the map. And let me tell you, coaching your, I think she was like, 78 at the time, and I was like 12. Coaching your 78-year-old grandmother, who does not drive at the night because she can't see, to drive in the night on the Mass Pike, going towards Connecticut, and telling her where to get off, that's a come-to-Jesus moment in of itself. Let me tell you that. <laughs> she, she was very, 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 um, you have to tell me three miles in advance, and I'm like, Okay, well, let me turn on the light. No, you can't turn on the light because then it affects my vision. First off, that's a lie. I'm a driver now. Like, I don't have any kids, but I understand how annoying that can be. But that is a lie. I got fed a lie as a kid where I was told that we would get pulled over if the light was on. That doesn't happen. I feel lied to my entire life. And I understand it's because kids will turn it on and off, on and off, on and off, and on and off, and you get annoyed, and so you say that. And I get it. But I was always told growing up that you'd get pulled over. We never did. Uh, but I remember on this time at night, we pulled into, oh, it's, I was in Missouri for eight years, so forgive me, I don't remember all the pike turn stops and everything. But we pulled in, and she just goes, well, let me see it, and I'll draw in a highlighter for you, and just use your phone light to see the highlighter. Are we going to get pulled over? No. So why can't I turn on the light in the back? And it just, once again, stubborn Italian grandmother, this kind of happened. But you see, the Israelites here did not have a GPS. They did not have a map. Now, Moses was kind of around this area somewhat when he um, was out in the wilderness for 40 years. So he kind of knew. 
But those of you who are parents, you can, you can know this. How difficult is it to drive somewhere by yourself or with your spouse? And then how difficult is it to go on a long road trip with your kids? <laughs> so think about thousands and thousands and thousands of people that he also has to lead. Are we there yet? I'm hungry. It's hot. We're in the desert. My cow needs water. Like there is, there's so many different things that needs to happen. There's no map. There's no GPS. So what does the Lord do? He sends a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. Now, like, I understand, and I hope most of us are Christians here. If not, we can talk about that later. Please come talk to me. We would love to have a conversation with you. But I think sometimes we, like, especially if we've grown up in church or if we've been church in a while, kind of, like, overlook some of the things that happens in the Bible. Can you imagine from the ground touching to the sky a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire? Like, just think, think like, how... How crazy that is. And you can't escape that. That's something that like you see it and you're like, oh, okay, we're going, all right, we're going that way now. Okay, we're going to go that way now. You can't escape that. And I think that's something that we overlook sometimes when we're reading the Bible is that we don't understand the magnitude of that. We don't understand how big it could possibly be. But it was there because the Lord went before them with a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. So my first point for you today, and please, 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 I encourage you, one, to bring your Bibles, and two, to take notes. Not just for your own, like, later looking up, but I encourage you to go home and read what I am telling you, and read what Pastor Brian tells you. Because we are men, we make mistakes, but this, this is our guide. So I encourage you to take notes, and I encourage you, this is the youth pastor and me, I apologize, to go do your homework, to go read, to go make decisions for yourself. Don't take everything that we have to say completely 100% for word. You need to do it yourself too. And I promise you, if you continue to read, if you continue to go back after sermons, and if you continue the next day to read what is in here and read what we have preached, it will guide your life even more. So I encourage you to do that. So our first point today, if you are taking notes, like I said, is God will guide you. And we can tell in these verses before that it doesn't just say he guided them one day. It doesn't just say that he was just there and then it disappeared. It said by day or by night. So that means multiple days it was leading them. It wasn't there and then gone. It wasn't fading away, it continued to be there. And this isn't like, okay, so I said this the other week and apparently my students didn't know what it was. It's not a walk to Cumbies, which is Cumberland Farms. I got, apparently people didn't know that, but it's not a walk to Cumbies, you're not going to the convenience store. No, they're walking across the desert. They're walking across modern day Egypt and they don't have cars. They don't have anything that we have today to make life easier. They don't have AC. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah for AC. Thank you, Lord. But they're walking and they're walking and they're walking. Now, once again, like I said before, this is not by Moses himself. There's thousands of people following him. 
thousands and thousands and thousands. And also at the same time, and we can find this out later if you continue to read scripture, you can find it out later. There's a plug. But we find out later that not everybody in that camp is good. Not everybody in that camp is really following the Lord. That is a different sermon for a different time. The Ten Commandments has not come out yet. So Moses has to be like, all right, we just uprooted everything. We're going to this new place. Behave yourselves. Who's going to do that? (laughs) Who's going to do that? If you have people who follow you, if you have kids and you tell them to behave themselves, what are they going to do? The opposite. They're not going to behave themselves. But he was guided by a pillar of fire in front of the people. The Lord went in front of his people. And so this, this is how I teach. This is how I preach. I have that, that I take, there's parts in the Bible that just stick out. That you can read 10,000 times. And that one time you'll find something different. But the words that are said is that it said he went out in front. The spirit of the Lord went out in front by the pillar of fire. Now, there's some biblical scholars that say that the Exodus is kind of like the, um, not the trial version, but Jesus before Jesus, because there's a ton of similarities in there. He was guided by fire. It, doesn't that sound like us today? Where we should be guided by the spirit? Where we should be guided by that pillar of fire? There's that similarities that you will read all throughout Exodus. Once again, your homework. Please come talk to me about it next week. But there's that similarities all throughout Exodus that you will see that the Old Covenant and the New Covenant are connected together. And God used the Israelites through Exodus to complete his other plan in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to read in Exodus 14 now, verse 9 and 14. And there is some verses that I am skipping over. Um, Once again, homework, go back and read it yourself. (laughs) So verse 9. The Egyptians chased after him with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all the horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped besides the shore, oh Lord, please help me pronounce this, of Pi-hi-haroth. We'll go with that. Across from Balzephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen before while we were still in Egypt? Those annoying little kids that follow you all the time. We should have done this. Well, why didn't you do that? Or why, 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 why? Isn't why the greatest question in the entire world? He follows up, or they follow up and said, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be slave in Egypt than a corpse in this wilderness. Now, this verse is kind of famous because it's leading up to the Red Sea. And so if you have read the Bible and if you had read this story, this is included usually in the Red Seas. Um, splitting out of the Red Sea. But just think about this for a second. The Lord has led them this far. They see a visible guide in the sky, knowing that they are led by the Lord, and yet they still complain. And yet they still murmur. And yet they still go, why are we here? We're going to die. 
Now, I'm going to, I may not make some greatest friends here today, but how many of us do that today? Don't need to raise your hands. You don't need to do anything of that. But how many of us can visibly see what God is doing in our lives? We can visibly see where God is having us go. And yet we go, Lord, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I'd rather go back. Like, it was a lot more fun back there. I had a lot more freedom back there. I had a lot more money back there. Like I said, I'm, I'm sorry if that hits you the wrong way, but think about that. Think about how that we have the guide in front of us. Think about how in the new covenant that we have the spirit with us. Think about how we have the promise of Jesus Christ and we still continuously say, oh, I'm scared. Let's go back. Let's go back to where I was. All that progress, all that stuff that we did that you led us through, let's go back. And it might not be as prevalent as that. It might not be prevalent as like, Lord, I just don't want to do this. Let me go back. But it could be, why? Why are you doing this, Lord? Why are you doing this? Can, can it be easier? Can it be like, you know, not as hot in the desert? Even though we have a guide right in front of us, even though that the Israelites had a guide right in front of them, they literally had a pillar of fire and cloud that touches from the ground to the sky. And they still panicked. They still freaked out. They still complained. They thought they were going to die, even though that the Lord went before them and that the Lord was leading them. In verse 13, Moses says, do not be afraid. You'll hear this a lot in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, there's a lot of crazy things that happen. But do not be afraid. Now, I am not um, here to take out anything that the word of God says. Um, but Moses, uh, there is a pillar of fire in front of us and all these Egyptians behind us. How can we not be afraid? <laughs> Because I don't think a pillar of fire would be something that you would see as a campfire. I would think of it to be as like this roaring, roaring fire that you constantly hear. That's constantly moving. So when Moses says, do not be afraid, I can hear the Israelites just go, excuse me? What do you mean? Do you not see what's in front of us and behind us? We should be afraid. We should, we should, we should, we should. But no, Moses says, do not be afraid. And then this, this next part here, I know it's going to be hard, but just bear with me. It says, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Come on. The Lord himself will fight for you. That is what the scriptures say, and it doesn't just say it here. It says it throughout the New Testament. It says it throughout the Old Testament, that the Lord will go before you. The Lord will fight for you. Even though you have your guide, even though you may complain, even though you may not be living the best life, even though you may be doing some things in secret that you shouldn't be, the Lord will still fight for you. The Lord will still be your intercessor. The Lord will still be your adversary. And we don't deserve it. And we don't deserve it. And I think that's something that 
it's hard to understand. And as I've grown through my young adult life, once again, still young, I still know I am. But as I've grown through my young adult life, I've realized that the same God that guided them through a pillar of fire, the same God that brought them out of Egypt, the same God that is about to split the Red Sea is the same God today. And I'm not just saying that to say that. I'm not just saying that because that's a, what pastors say. No, it's true. As pastor was saying earlier, he is omnipresent. He never changes. So it's crazy that we still have the same God today. The same God that while we are in the wilderness... The same God that we are going from point A to point B. The same God that is continuing guiding us and guiding them back then and the Israelites is guiding us today. That's just like, when you really think about that, when you really think that like these are his chosen people, these are his chosen people. And then when the new covenant, when Jesus came, we became his chosen people. Not because of our race, not because of who we're born to, because we can accept the kingdom of God into our hearts and we can accept him as our Lord and Savior. And then he is the same God that he was leading the Israelites. My second point today is God's promise. God's promise. Now, there's a lot of promises that God makes in the Bible, and obviously we can think of probably some. But here we see in this last verse, in the last couple of verses, we see the fear. We see the complaining. We see the anxiety. We see the, oh no, we're going to die. We should have just been slaves. We see the Israelites doing this. And we see the impact that it's having on the camp. Some are probably running away. Some are probably trying to hide. Some are probably kissing their loved ones goodbye. Because that's the reality of it. When you have an evil chasing after you, you know what's going to happen. But Moses says, do not be afraid. For the Lord will go before you. But he also says in that same verse, do not be afraid, stand still. Don't go crazy. Don't freak out. Don't post everything on Facebook. Don't, don't freak out. Don't make rash decisions. Don't sell everything and put it into Bitcoin. Please don't. Stand still. And then the second part of that verse. So first, let me, let me just say this. We see God's promise in the second part. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. So there's the promise. But don't we have an instruction before the promise? See, a lot of times as Christians, and I have been at fault with this too, we want the promise, we want the reward, but we don't want to listen to the directions. But they're there for a reason. They're there for a reason. They're there to make sure that we don't freak out. They're there to make sure that when the enemy is approaching us, when bad things are approaching us, when life just seems to keep hitting us over and 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 over again, that we don't freak out because we know that the Lord is in front of us. We know that the Lord has his battles and that he is going to win them. So I showed you a picture of my dad earlier, and some of you know this, some of you don't. Um, 
He suffered seven cancers in seven years. At the end of it, he had a bone marrow transplant. And dad, if you're watching this, we can talk about this later, but your testimony is amazing. Um, he had a bone marrow transplant at the end. And at the end, when I remember this specifically, he had a whiteboard. Whenever somebody would come in, whenever a nurse would come in, they would have to write a verse that my dad would tell them to write. And then every single doctor, worker, cleaner, didn't matter who came into that room, they had to initial the board that they read the board. In a time of uncertainty, in a time of being freaked out, in a time of it's okay to be freaked out, it's okay to be scared because you don't know what's going to happen next, the word went first. Once again, I had a, a full-blooded Italian grandmother who was very stubborn. I love my dad to death. There's some character traits that he picked up from my grandmother. Let me say it that way. Once again, dad, if you're watching this, I love you. And he would not let them do anything to them. He would not let them take blood. He would not let him check vitals. He would not let them do anything, anything, unless they read that verse first. So it's crazy in the time of adversity, in the time of fear, we forget God's promise upon us. But it says to just be still. And in verse 14, it says, the Lord himself will fight for you. And then once again, it says the same thing, just in different words, stay calm. A couple of years ago, probably like 10 now, there was that like stay calm shirts type things. And I always thought of this verse whenever I read them. Stay calm. A thing that the world took over, stay calm, when the world was going crazy, we've had for years and years and years. We've had this word, we've had what it says, to stay calm. But the promise was that the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Just stay calm. And we're going to continue reading in, verse, in chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. So we know that the Egyptians, once again, we're skipping verses. Please go back and read it. That's your homework. They went from the front. They're at the Red Sea right now, okay? The Egyptians are coming behind them. The people are freaking out. There's a sea in front and the enemy behind. So what does the Lord do? The pillar of fire moves to the back. It creates that blockade of the past. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. And as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach either night. Now, this, it says something that I would like to point out too. It says, then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, and then the pillar of fire. So you have two spiritually incredible beings fighting for you. One that you can see, one that you can know, and then one that you don't even know that's there. But they put that blockade between the Egyptians and them. They went to the rear. They went, and I picture this as like, you know that movie scene when like the people, they're like holding their swords and they're just waiting for the enemy to come at them and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what I see. While the people escape, while everybody runs away in the movie, you see those two people, that one person just waiting to fight. That's what I picture this as. That blockade, that, that let's go, let's do this. We're ready, we're ready for battle. Because in this context, when we have the angel of the Lord show up, 
it usually means that there's a fight about to happen. But it says that the Israelites and the Egyptians did not approach each other all night. It created a blockade. And honestly, if I was the Egyptians and I didn't know what was going on and I saw a pillar of fire standing right before me and the people we had to kill, I would probably not go. I'd be like, that's scary. I don't know what that is. Can we, can we take a rain check? Like, can we think about this later at a better time when there's not a pillar of fire in front of us? But they did not approach each other. They protected the people of Israel. The same things that was guiding you, the same things, the same things that we see that was guiding you is also protecting you. That pillar of fire, the word of God, it is also protecting you. It's not just leading us, it is protecting us. And then chapter 14, verse 24 and 25, this is after the Red Sea, okay? So once again, we got up to the Red Sea, and now we're skipping the Red Sea. Do your homework, go back, read that, have a conversation with me, love to have it. Verse 24, but just before the dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire in the cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Worship team, you can come back up. So the enemy, the Egyptians, the people that had been chasing proclaimed that the Lord was fighting for the Israelites. Your enemy, the person that is going after you, imagine them being like, hold up, I can't do anything to you because God is with you. That is what happened here. That is the promise that happened here. They knew that the Lord, our God, the Lord that was going after the Israelites, the Lord that continues to protect us, they knew what they were in for. I don't, like, I, I can't, like, <laughs> my excitement for that is incredible because when you think about it, it's the same God. It's the same God that protects you. The Egyptians knew it. And then in verse 26, when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. Verse 27. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back to its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Didn't we just hear that promise? The promise that the Egyptians that you have been chasing after you will never see you after today. The promise that the Lord has upon you, the promise that he has given you today, the promise that he has given you 20 years ago is still going to happen. It is just in his timing, it is not in our own. In this timing, it was right behind them as soon as it happened. But if the Lord has promised you something, remember he is the same God then as he is today. That promise that he has made you will be fulfilled. That promise. And in the New Testament, we have that promise. We have that promise with the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. We have his promise with the resurrection of Jesus Christ to allow all of us to be saved. We have that promise. And we have that promise that he's coming for us again too. 
God fulfills his promises. And remember, as you were going through this, the Israelites knew what was happening. Moses had said, I am leading you out into the promised land. He had said this over and over and over again. So he knew the promises that were going to happen. And the Israelites still complained. The Israelites still freaked out. The Israelites still went into terror. But yet the promises still stand. The promises still stand. So whatever you are going through, whatever the pain that you are going through, whatever happens, the promise still stands. And it's just not in our timing. And that's annoying, and I understand that. That is annoying. But it is not in our hands, the promise of the Lord. Here's my third and last point. He will swallow up your past. He will swallow up your past. He will guide you. That promise that he has, he will fulfill for you. But in order to reach the promised land, in order to go to the place that God needs you to go, in order to go through the Red Sea, in order to escape your enemies, the past had to be swallowed up. They had to get rid of the past. Because we've seen it in movies where the revenge is the strongest thing that people keep pushing forward. And so the Egyptians would continue to pursue the Israelites. They would try to continue to pursue them. But no, God's promise was, you will never see them again. The people that were chasing after them had to be swallowed up. Let me go back a bit. And let me replace some things. In order for you to go forward, you have to get rid of the past. In order for you to make the next steps, you have to let the past be gigons and be swallowed up. But here's the thing. The only way, the only way that the past had to be swallowed up was a divine intervention. Man couldn't do it. But the Lord split the Red Sea down the middle. All the Israelites walked out and then he swallowed the Egyptians whole through the sea. Man couldn't do it. Man couldn't do it. But yet, we have that divine intervention. And in your life, that can be a bunch of different things. If you've already accepted the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is an incredible thing, then he has created that barrier. But sometimes, as you can read further on, some of the Egyptians chased on a little bit after, but they never saw him again. And a big thing about that too is that the Israelites continued forward. They continued forward. And yes, it wasn't easy. Yes, they went for 40 more years. Yes, they were in the wilderness. Yes, right after the Ten Commandments, they made an idol. Yes. They did some bad things after. But the Lord still guided them. He still had the plan for them. He still had the promises for them. In our lives, let the Lord swallow up the past. Let him fulfill his promises that he has promised you. And let him guide you day and night by a pillar of fire. The past is the past. 
and we are new creations. In Romans 10, it says that. So let God move. Let the divine intervention continuously show up in your life. I know we had an amazing kind of altar call earlier, but I'm going to ask again if the prayer team can have the lanyards and come up front. If you have not yet accepted the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into your heart and you need that past to go away, they would love to pray for you. They would love to pray for you. They would love to talk to you. So that's my first altar call is if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that you do, because amazing things will happen and he will guide you through the good times and bad. So that's my first. For the second, excuse me. For the second, if you feel like you are the Israelites, when you are just crying out saying why, if you are freaking out about what is happening into your life, if you don't know where God is guiding you, that's my second. And I'm not gonna say now, like, you can come up. Like whenever the Lord is leading over you, please come up and pray. The team is ready to pray for you. The altars are ready here. Please come up. And lastly, if you need a divine intervention in your life, if something is happening in your life and you don't necessarily know what is going on, if you, if you have healing that needs to happen, if you have financial reasons that aren't going their best and you need that to happen, if you have family members that are just causing pain and strife, that's for you. I'm gonna pray, the worship team's gonna continue, but the altar is open. And I encourage you to seek out after prayer, to seek out after him. Like I said, let him swallow up your past. Let him keep your promises that he has given you. And let him guide you every single day by a pillar of fire and a cloud during the day. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. Lord, I just pray for this church, for this congregation, Lord, that we would continuously be guided by you, that we would continuously be guided by the pillar of fire, that we would be continuously guided by the pillar of cloud, Lord, that you would continuously go before us, that you would continuously seek out after us, that you would continuously put a blockade against the past if you need us to. Lord, swallow up our past, swallow up our enemies. Allow us to look towards you. Allow us to look and be guided by you.